Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. How's your French? Yeah. It's pas français, no. pas français. Zero French. <laughs> Zero French. <laughs> Zero French. Don't they kind of, you know, don't they bring in tutors and stuff now for some guys? Or is it just Nick? Um, uh, they maybe, want the captain to speak a little bit, right? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen no tutors around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, it's probably good yeah. to be like, I don't really want to know what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'll just read the negative shit in English. I'm Tony Tree in French too. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious. And I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going inside. So awesome. Thanks for joining us today, Kirby. I know you went back home for Christmas. Must be nice to get home, visit the family, uh, Christmas time. Uh, probably you'd rather be certainly playing, but that's not the case. Um, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, growing up a Oilers fan. Um, when do you guys stop playing hockey? You got you know, obviously your brother plays, been drafted by Chicago. Uh, your sis plays some, but uh, how'd the hockey get going in your household? Uh, I think just my dad um, put us in skates right away. We lived out on an acreage when we were younger, so we always had a backyard rink, and then um, we uh, have a lake lot that's like an hour and a half away from Fort Sass, kind of north uh, towards St. Paul. So spent a lot of time skating on the lake as a kid. And um, I think like two, three, we were in skates and then just kind of took off from there and never really wandered or wanted to do anything different. We we fell in love with the game and just kept playing until we can't really play anymore. Uh, what the, and I, I look, you're, what, you're 6'4". Your brother's mm-hmm. about the same size, right? 6'4". Yeah. Dad isn't that tall, is he? Your dad? No. Right? And no. your mom isn't tall. Where the hell is the side? Where's the height come from? Uh, we are, we got a few. Uh, I got a few tall uncles on on both sides, and um, some tall aunties too. So definitely runs in the family. But uh, we definitely lucked out and have pretty good genes and our height and our size. Cool. Did you say how how tall is your, how tall is your sister? Uh, I think she's five ten. So she's five nine five ten. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tall girl for sure. Um, so yeah, you're growing up Fort Sask, playing some hockey, and you go and play junior. Uh, you end up with Saskatoon Blades, and I gotta ask you because I know you played for Mitch Love, and <laughs> Mitch Love obviously that reputation. Uh, how was he as a a coach? You know, being a young kid, you come in at 15, right? Junior, your yeah. first year, played some games. Um, what, what type of impact did he have on your? Uh, young career. I played against Mitch Love, and he didn't. Even, he didn't even know there was a puck out there. So I'm interested <laughs> no, to know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Lover was good. I only had him uh, my drafter, so my 17 year old year. Okay. Um, he treated us as pros in junior. I think it kind of really helped not only myself, but there's a few guys from the team that play pro hockey now. Like getting that mindset, like kind of came in. Practices were switched from the afternoon to the morning. We had meetings like we do now um, in pro hockey, and um, he's definitely tough on you at times. Like he, he didn't really sugarcoat anything. He spoke his mind, but made us play hard the right way. Um, taught us the value of defense in the game, and 
that uh, offense will come after and just you can be able to play free that way. But um, there's definitely moments him and I went at it and had a, a couple of fuck you matches back and forth and <laughs> enjoyed that. But he liked that out of, out of me and he knew that uh, sometimes to get a rise out of me or to make me play better, he had to push those buttons. And that's definitely a, a year that helped me become a, a better player and a better person off days too. Good stuff. Now, um, you get drafted in 2019 um, by the Chicago Blackhawks, um, third overall. Now, going into the draft, and I think back on my draft, I was drafted in 78, right? I got a fucking letter two weeks after I got drafted in the mail <laughs> saying we're inviting you to training camp. So yeah. it's it totally different. Where was the draft your year? I was in Vancouver. Vancouver. So, uh, quick flight to Van. Um, what's that anticipation like? You go in there, the crowd, and and were you anticipating going, you know, three overall? I know Jack Hughes. Everybody said number one, blah blah blah. But were you anticipating going where you went, or were you surprised? Um. I was a bit shocked. Uh, I was there for the whole week leading up to the draft. They had uh, a couple of us doing some things with the NHL and uh, media requests and stuff like that. And so then I, uh, there's a group of us and I was really good buddies with uh, Bowen Byram and, and Dylan Cousins. And we've just played hockey and Team Canada's together going up in the Western League and stuff. So the three of us were kind of talking and uh but none of us heard anything from Chicago at that time and they were picking three and we were all kind of in that conversation for it. And, um, to be honest, the best feeling I got was with LA at five. I met with them twice and three days before the draft and met with Colorado a couple of times too. But, um, the feeling I had with LA was, I was comfortable with it. They were liked me. I liked them and it just seemed like it was going to work. And then, um, an hour before the draft, I got a text from a random number, like even a green text message. So <laughs> at that point, I'm like, it's a fake. like, yeah, somebody's <laughs> fucking with me. Like this ain't no iMessage. Who doesn't have an iPhone these days, you know? So then uh, it's like, uh, are you ready to be a hawk or something like that? Like we're taking you at three. And I was like, there's no way this is real. So I leaned over to my dad and I was like, read this. And he goes, just say, yep, I'm excited. Thank you for the opportunity. And then just don't say anything, just in case it's not real. And I was like, all right. And then um, uh, right as the draft happened, I guess they texted me, but I didn't want to look at my phone because I saw the camera start to move over towards me. And I think Turcotte was sitting behind me, and he's a Chicago kid, like was in that conversation too. So I didn't know if it was on me or him. And I was just like, I didn't want to look at my phone, but I could feel my phone buzz. And I found out later it was um, Stan, like uh, the old GM was texting me saying, we're taking you with this pick. And they were all staring at me at the time. And they, they're like, why didn't you look over and look at the text and see, like crack a smile? And I was like, I just so, so nervous going through that thing. Did you tell them, like, get a fucking iPhone? Or yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't Stan's phone. I don't know who, like, they, I don't know how they got a green text to go to me, but they did. It scared the shit out of me. Chicago, they need throwaway phones there, no. I think, Tim, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, you know, so you go Chicago in the draft. I mean, what what a day for a kid now. It's such a big thing. And so you go up in the stage yet. Do you ever think back now where you're sitting here when you went to you went to the combine, right? Yeah. How was the combine? And and what are some of the questions you faced there? Like I, I, I would have loved to have gone through that whole process. <laughs> I don't know if were you nervous? 
And what were some of the things you were asked by by certain teams? Um, yeah, a little remember? nervous, like going into certain interviews and stuff like that. There's um, definitely that pressure comes with it. But I had a not that I had an easy combine, but I only met with like eight or nine teams uh, over like the four days. So my days were pretty relaxed and and laid back and. I didn't get a lot of the uh, the questions you hear where they're trying to fuck with them or mess around <laughs> yeah, with them. Yeah. I got a, a lot more serious questions about the game and um, the way I think and who I am as a person and player. And But there wasn't too many that were kind of like off the cuff, like would throw me off or, or anything like that. So I, I'd like to think my combine experience went pretty good and um, didn't have to deal with any of the other crazy questions or come up with answers like that. They do a bunch of, they do physical testing too, right? there yeah they do yeah yeah that that's sucks. uh they do like interviews all week and then bang like the thursday fridays and your fitness testing you're like i'd rather do the fitness testing monday tuesday and then interviews afterwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Sitting there all week in buffalo i don't want to get me in and out on the fitness testing what was what was your strength out of all of them what was the the best um, thing i think it was one of the bike tests one, either one of them was, was pretty yeah. good, but uh, Champs was definitely the hardest. Long guy, long arms. It's it's tough to go all the way up there and all the way down. Right. What uh, was oh, yours, yeah. Nux? What did you guys do? Like body squats back in the day, or what? Did you do? <laughs> we had, no, we played two games a day in training camp. That's it. Back How to back. You can drink. And then we yeah, do yeah. fucking laps, and then we do boards, and then we go to the tavern right afterwards. Yeah. Right, across the street. Oh, yeah. oh. So yeah, the, your first year, I mean, when I, I, I look at it's been a bit tumultuous for you, to say the least, when you look at some of the things that have happened since you came in the league and you come in, it's the pandemic your first year, right? Um, yeah. What, what was it like, first of all, going into training camp there, Jonathan Tace, Patrick Kane, guys, all these guys that won cups, you're coming in there, um, you know, like, I remember my first year here, like they won four Stanley Cups in a row. And yeah. here I come in the next year, I'm like, you know, I I had tight ass, you know, I was nervous, I, all these fucking guys. And I hated the Canadians growing up in Boston, fucking hated them. And now I'm on the ice with them all. What, what was that experience like for you? Um, There's definitely a uh, nerve wracking, like you said, meeting childhood heroes like Taze and Kane, you know, Dunk, Siebs. Uh, Crow was there. They had so many guys that won and just the pedigree they held and who they were as people off the ice. I mean, Johnny went around everywhere, he's made sure he said hellos and um, how are you to everybody that was there, young guys, old guys, uh, guys that couldn't even speak English. You had to take the time to, to get to know them. And um, I think that was that was pretty cool to see. But I was lucky enough to to make that team, obviously, and then lived with Brent Seabrook for that season and, and the season afterwards where it was uh, the no fan year for a little bit. So um, he kind of became kind of my father, my stepfather. And then uh, Dunk was a little bit like my fun uncle. So I, I got to hang out with those two guys quite a lot and hear some stories and um, just get to know them as, as people and uh, still keep in touch with, with all four of them to, to this day. And they're definitely uh, had a massive impact on, on my career. Where's uh? Where's Seabrook live? Is he like north Chicago, north of the city, north side? Uh yeah, we, I lived in the museum in uh, Wrigleyville. Oh, Wrigleyville. Yeah, I'm from great. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, you oh, can yeah. have fun there. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's you're not missing out there. Did you get to any Cubs games? Yeah, I've been to a few, few, and then uh, when I lived on my own there, I was in Lincoln Park, so I was only like yep. a five minute drive from uh, from Wrigley Field. So, like going up there, I usually go back in the summer and try and catch a weekend of games. It's a uh, it's a good time up there. It is, uh, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> so uh, you're in Chicago that uh, first year, second year. Uh, well, you that first year you went and played World Junior, right? And you, no, you end up was that the, the first, second? The second year, the first year, second I was year. Uh, I was actually going to play for the World Juniors over in uh, Bratislava. That was the year they won with like all my good buddies. Like they're all texting me beforehand, and we actually played Arizona the night before, where they stand kind of gave me a chance. He's like, "You can choose to go or not go," and I was like, "I'll play this game, and then I'll come talk to you, and and we'll figure it out." And played the game. I walked up, was talking to Barrett Hayden, um, actually in Arizona. He's like, "I'm gonna go." tomorrow like I just told him talk to the GM to see you know so I went up and was like hey Stan like I want to go like I think this would be good for me at that time I was playing fourth line 10 minutes a night like just wanted to go we had a great team going over there for world juniors we know we had a good chance of winning I'd be able to play with top line get all this confidence back and then come back um running so um and then Stan's like, yeah, you're good. Got a phone call an hour later, said upper management, said you're not allowed to go anymore. So I was like, what do you, like, what do you mean? You're, you're the GM of the team. Ownership. What's going on here? And so I uh, didn't get to go that year. So then when I came around to the second year, like the COVID year, I called Stan right away when we didn't have a schedule. I was like, hey, we don't have a schedule. Our World Juniors has got a schedule. Do you care if I go play games? Like, I want to be able to play some games this year. And they're like, they talked about it for a week, and they got back to me and said, yeah, you're you're good to go. And then that's the year. And I ended up snapping my wrist and into a different area code. What shit luck that is. And, <laughs> you know, just to think, if not to torture you with this, but just to think if they let you go the fucking first year. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. but so you end up uh, with that injury, and um, um, you come back, and uh, took a while to bounce back. But it, why the fourth line? Listen, I get it. You're a young kid. Maybe send you the minors, give you first line minutes, all that. But wh- why the fourth line with you? I mean, certainly the pedigree is there to be on a in a different position on that team, and I know it takes time. But yeah, I, I didn't get the fourth line thing with you there. Uh, yeah, well, I don't really know the answers to those questions, but, um, at the same time, I think maybe they, uh, they were under pressure to keep me just because of the pick and, um, Byram obviously went four and a lot of people want to Byram and at three. And so they kind of wanted to show that I could play there. And I mean, looking back on it was, was playing there beneficial. I mean, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, would being sent back to junior be good for me? I don't really know the answer to that like I can play in the minors at that time because you're 18 oh, yeah, you have to be 20 right. 20 years old playing yeah. it so um there's a lot of different factors that went into it but uh I mean I think you can look at it too like the the way Slaff is going right now he's been playing real good hockey and sometimes it just takes bigger guys that um a couple more years to get ready and to be able to play their game and feel like once uh even last year i felt like i had ups and downs then once january kind of hit i was like all right i've got it kind of figured out now like i'm feeling good every game and um 
think if it is it, it just takes time and everything just doesn't happen yeah. for everybody right away and you have to be all right with it taking time and just be able to go through the the process of it all you well, didn't, I get you didn't that. call you didn't call Mitch Love, Coach Mitch Love, and say, "How do I play the fourth line?" <laughs> no, 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 didn't call Love. <laughs> I certainly get that. Like being a young kid coming in, it does take time. But I, I just figured, coaching staff and organizationally, they put you in a better position to succeed. Instead yeah. of putting you in a fourth line situation. Well, I wanted to so. ask about that real quick. Yeah. How was that, Jeremy Colton? And I, didn't, I don't want you to bash him, but I mean, <laughs> no, you'd you... want him to bash yeah, him. Yeah, bash if you him. Want say, to. Don't <laughs> tell him I don't no, want you to I, bash I'm him. Saying, I'm just saying. If I'm he wants saying. to bash him, he yeah, can bash ahead. him. But I know he right. won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy was a good guy. Um, he was put in a situation that was tough. I mean, anybody coming into that team after um, them letting Joel. Quinville go was going to have a hard time. I mean, the, he uh, grew up as like a kind of a, in my as a father figure to those players and taught them how to play the game, won with them, just kind of became a huge mentor to that core group that was in Chicago for so long. So anybody that came into that locker room was going to have a hard time getting guys on the same page. Or, or I, I think he was just kind of put in a position where he wasn't going to succeed. Um, I mean, he played hockey with Seabrook growing up. Dunk was two years older than him. It's like, you're, yeah, it's, no, it's, I couldn't take it's his. A tough, yeah, it's a I tough would watch situation. like his press conference. I was like, did anyone listening to this guy? And yeah. I, I'm sure he was a good guy. And I, I was just yeah, like, did I he ever lay the was, hammer down? Was he ever like, you know? No, uh, not really. Like he just like, and we had Mark Crawford too mm. that year as an assistant coach. And I mean, you can go on and on about Crow stories. So, <laughs> it, yeah. uh um, it was just weird. It was a weird year, weird coat. Like, didn't really make sense to me. Like, as a young guy, you walk in, and then um, it's nice finally, like, with Marty being able to have a coaching staff that teaches you the game, that wants you to learn, wants you to help. Like, there, uh, it definitely makes a huge difference in, in the player's progression and, and where you're where you're gonna be. So uh, the wrist injury, uh, you end up that year. You end up coming back playing playing the last 18 games of the season, 10 points, not bad. So now you you get that summer off, you get to really heal up, and now you're going to come back in uh, for uh, a full season, 21-22, played 70 games. Now, how did that year go for you? Like, when you look back at it personally, like, do you feel like you made that jump? Because center ice – and, and you know, but center ice, I look at a guy like Patrice Bergeron, I think he's one of the best center icemen to ever play the game. Like the total game, the yeah. total game. I, I love this game. And to get there, it takes a lot, playing both ends of the rink, that defensive responsibility, being able to, you know, deliver the puck to your line mates, all those things, getting to the net. And you certainly have the size. Where did you feel you kind of stood that year, uh, uh, that last year in Chicago? I was ready to come to camp. I was ready to kind of prove myself, get there, um, kind of become become the man, playing between Kane and Cat for a little bit and, like, get that confidence in me. And um, I was just never put with those two guys or put in that situation. I remember in the middle of November, uh, I was put down to the third line and, um, it was just told your job is to shut down the other team's top line. 
you're you're not playing all like and it's like I'm a 20 year old kid going against McKinnon every second night and all these big centermen in the Western Conference it's like Jesus like this is a lot to take on and there's just uh there's a lot of kind of dark times where it's just like I don't know if I can can do this anymore like the, the hockey isn't become fun like this isn't the player I am I'm not a shutdown centerman yeah I can play 200 feet but I like to score goals I like to create offense I like to have the puck on my stick and just felt for like two months I was constantly chasing the puck around the ice trying to play defense um, against teams that were were much better than we were at the time and they kind of took it to us so you're really just skating and laps around your own d zone trying to get a puck out and breathe for a second but um, that year was full of ups and downs and um, kind of knew towards the end of the year that I was there's a good possibility I wasn't going to be coming back and same with uh, Dabrinka. We talked about it a couple of times that summer. Strom knew that. Like there was four or five, six of us that were like, yeah, I think they're kind of done with all of us and just going to move on and, and rebuild. And I mean, they can do what they want, but uh, I'm excited to be in Montreal. I've loved being here. It's It's been great so far and um, definitely, uh, definitely nice to be wanted and, and feel loved. Yeah, there's no question, right? Uh, but but that last year, I don't want to skip over Chicago too quickly. Uh, they, so, did you buy a house there? Do you have a place and everything? Yeah, I, yeah. you're looking to you're looking to have a long like here. I am a young kid. I'm Chicago third overall. I'm gonna have a good long career here. And after that short time, three years there, you you had it in your head that they were gonna get rid of you, or were there? Were there rumblings in the media? There's more rumblings in the media and then just kind of the way my exit interviews went with Kyle and the way he kind of spoke t- towards me. I was just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't a good feeling. So, uh, but I, yeah, I have a place down there still. I ended up buying it because Colton got drafted there too. So I was like, this would be great. Like we can live together and it'll be awesome, kind of fun. And then, uh, yeah. So now you can rent it out. To yeah. Were you Fuck able to sell? It to were you able to sell your Cubs season tickets? <laughs> <laughs> no, I kept those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Um, yeah. So I just kind of rented out to, to some guys, and then obviously my brother in the winter and uh, Dvorak's from there, so Devo rents it from me in the in the summer. Cool. So you're you're in that that. that season um the off season comes and then the draft comes how um how, if you had your choice back then now i know you play yeah, if you had your choice of going somewhere where would you have liked to gone leaving chicago um honestly it didn't matter to me there's a there's a lot of teams that i heard that were kind of poking around or trying to figure out what the the price was for me so um you never thought like la might be nice or um, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you look at it or now edmonton like, oh, yeah. who i grew up loving i don't know if i'd want to be in edmonton just yet to okay. be honest with you it's uh cool. it'd be a lot with family and friends and buddies and right. like, it's better just be away from a couple of distractions like that and enjoy your time as a, as a young player in the league and not have uh too many skeletons so you end up with the Habs. Uh, surprised, shocked, uh, excited. What what went through your head when you found out uh, you were in a deal uh, to go to the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, I was uh, a little shocked. 
Um, it's not a phone call anybody really wants to, to get or to have um, when you see your G, GM's name pop up on draft night. It's um, your heart kind of drops to the bottom of your stomach and then um, just set his piece. And really the only thing I remember is you're, you're going to Montreal. That was, that was about it. And uh, called my agent, Jerry Johansson, right after we talked about it and the kind of the team they were building with and um, uh, Kent Hughes' kind of vision and Jeff Gordon's and Marty's vision of what they want the team to become and where I fit into that. And um, you definitely feel a little warm and fuzzy being wanted on a, on a younger team that's kind of going to let you grow and develop and play the game. But uh, so at the same time, be held accountable for your mistakes and um, build towards something, not just go out there and play free hockey, but build towards a winning culture. And were you like going to go like, were they telling you you're going to play like how you should play? Like, you know what I mean? Like not fourth yeah. line. I mean, that's exciting, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. got here and, and Marty didn't really say much. He's just kind of, I'm going to watch you through camp first through preseason. I want to see how you play the game. I'm going to leave you alone and then we can go from there and we can start to build each and every day. And I think the, the one thing that like he really worked with me last year was the floor and the ceiling. He's like, I don't know how high your ceiling's ever going to be. Like, it could be the highest. We we don't know that. It could be the lowest. We don't know that. What I do know is that if we can elevate your floor each and every night and keep your floors elevated, your ceiling's just going to get higher. You're going to have moments where it's going to become easy for you. And it's just working at those little things each and every day in practice or off the ice and doing the, the video things with Marty or anybody else in the coaching staff that gets you to that next level. And I think he's done a really good job of, of that and kind of mentoring all of us and teaching us. And I mean, he's the guy that's been in every situation too in the league. Was undrafted and played fourth line, third lines first, like all the power play penalty kill, won the awards, Hall of Fame. Like he can sit down and talk to anybody about their position and be like, I've been there. Like I understand what you're going through. Like this is what I need from you. I think that's what makes our team a special group is that we're able to pull together in certain moments and, do it for one another and, and Marty's really at the helm of that leading the way yeah you know what we heard so many good things about him like the first time he spoke to the team when he took over all this stuff we talked to Pizzetta about the stuff he talked to him about how you know you know it's not good good enough just to dump the puck by the d-man you, you you can make a play he you know he he works with him to to improve his game not just being happy with okay he's gonna go out there and hit people and punch people I want him to be a hockey player, which I love that. I love it because, you know, some guys who play that role too never get that opportunity. They're just pigeonholed and that's it. So Marty, I'm sure, was a breath of fresh air for you. And and from me standing back and looking at it, I see him, he puts you on the wing. And I'm going, why the wing? He's a center iceman. And then – you know, I find out, and I thought about it a little more. I talked to a few people, but I, I just think that was such a brilliant move to get you. Here you are with a new team. It doesn't seem like much. Okay, go play wing yeah. for a while. But to to get you to play with some confidence, play with some better players, and not putting the pressure on you to have to play both ends of the rink. I, I just thought it was How'd you feel about it when you first went the wing? wing were you like, "What the hell? I'm a sentiment." Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't my first. It to you? Wasn't my first time playing wing. There's a couple yeah. times I played with uh, Taser in Chicago, and he played down the middle. And 
So I was, I was a little bit used to it. And I mean, going out there with Cole and Susie, um, I think things just clicked right away. I think we went on a, on a run where um, we had like, I don't know what we ended up having, but we were, we were buzzing pretty good there for a while. And um, just the way that those two guys played the game and the way I, I kind of complimented it, um, things kind of seemed easy for us for a while. And um, once we had that confidence, Marty was able to kind of split us up and go in different directions and add more scoring and depth-wise and be able to have two lines that are rolling. And um, I mean, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head there, um, being able to give me confidence in my game back and then just let me kind of take my own line after that and um, kind of have a two-headed monster down the middle with Susie and I, um, hopefully for years to come, is, is a pretty good tandem. Yeah, sometimes wing, I, I was fluctu- going through both positions, and sometimes wing is, like, way better. It depends who your centerman is because, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, like, center sucks when you're just getting draws, snap back, and then you're hemmed in oh, the zone yeah. for, like, two minutes trying to switch with the winger, like, trying yeah. to, like, get the winger <laughs> yeah. to go down low. Yeah. So sometimes Somebody else the- take this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like <laughs> – so it, it, is, it is nice to, to get the, the wing position. But like I said, yeah, I think depending on who your centerman is for sure. That is funny because uh, that makes me think back Cabano when I play with Cabano and Ganey. If I happen to be back first, Cabo would always tell me, I'm going to call stay a low, switch on you. Get, no, no, he would say, you oh, get out of there. Because, oh, no, yeah, he, he, he was – obviously, he was the player he was, but he felt he wanted to be in control of that down low in our end. It was always – he'd call a switch, and I'd have to jump out of there. But that's something we practice all the time as a team, right? Wingers had to, you know, we played three on three down low. Wingers had to play as a center iceman, so you learn that. But, but it's a lot of responsibility to do it. You do it once or twice a game as a winger. You get being the first guy back. But as a center iceman, shift after shift, it's not easy. So you get that confidence back. You get going. You had a, had a good season. Uh, you, you end up having an injury. Um, was it the knee that – uh, last year's uh, had a pinched nerve in my back. Yeah, your back. So my kind of my right leg really wasn't working for a little bit. It kind of went Couldn't numb. Keep up with the left. Yeah, yeah, I went numb, like kind of tingling sensation in it, and then towards the end of the year I had a concussion too. So um, two of those, but um, felt really good coming into camp. Like summer was great, and then. Uh, well, what about the goal in Chicago? The goal in Chicago. Oh, yeah. uh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Sally. The, uh, the I have to yeah, I was, get up with the time, I, but it was awesome. How how good uh, yeah. that feel? I did it back in junior, actually. Um, we had a good rivalry with Prince Albert and ended up playing them in playoffs in the second round. And every time I touched the puck, I was getting booed. And there's just signs around in this little shitbox arena up in Prince Albert. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like fuck you when I got scored a nice goal and kind of end end around everybody did this whole like hand to the ear thing. And then, uh, same thing in Chicago scored that goal. I, I knew too, like the way it kind of played out too. I was in overtime. I was like, if I did the puck from Susie Cole's on my left for one time or fuck him, I'm shooting it anyway. Fine, Cause I'm going to score this. And then it's just down the ice heartbreaker. Boom. <laughs> kind of just like a final send off, but then uh, get to the shootout. Cole scores, Susie scores, Taser scores, Anthony Sio scores, Kaner misses. Thank God. Usually that guy's yeah. butter in those. Yeah. And Marty like gave me a tap on the back. I kind of knew I was going third. And um, I've always had that move quick backhand to the forehand low 
low glove, it's hard for goalies, especially with my, my range to, to get all the way over. And then that was just all feel. I was kind of like looking in the stands and heard all the booze before. And I was just like, nah, fuck it. Here you go. Yeah, That's awesome. Hey, that's emotion. You got the, yeah. the game's emotional game. That's just awesome. That response. I love that. I mean, look, I remember playing in Boston every time, I got kicked out of a game or had a fight and thrown beer and pizza and And then for me, the brawl in the hall, like, you know, I'm going by the bench and I finally said, fuck this. And I punched, threw a shot at Lensman and it went nuts, but I get the emotional part of it. There's no question. So I love that. That's cool. So yeah. Yeah. Chicago, man, the shit that's happened to you, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. There's a there's some good things and some bad things. And then this year, I I, I don't know if I ever felt so bad for a guy than what happened to you this year. You that hit by Tenorti, and I'm telling you, it, it looked like you just rolled with it. Everything was good. You're gonna pop back out there. How that? What, what happened there? What do you remember about yeah. the hit? Yeah, like you and I were talking about in uh, in the garage there the other day. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of saw him coming when the puck was getting stuck on the ice. It was a little snowy, so I kind of had to reach back. But I saw him last second, and he's a bigger guy, so I kind of went to jump into him to, like, counter hit him. Just completely forgot I wasn't along any glass. Like, I was, like, kind of just had a brain fart there. And so when I started to fall into the bench, I was like, yeah, I just got to kind of keep going with it as we're just moving sideways. And what happened was my leg went up between his legs and he stopped like dead in his tracks. Yeah. So my upper body kept moving. Oh, so I had all okay. this momentum going and I didn't hear anything. Didn't really feel anything. My knee just kind of went like that, like shifted. Yeah. And I stood on the ice and skated. And I was like, it's just numb and tingling. Like not a lot of pain, but knee down, like numb, like numbness. And I got back to the bench and was talking to Rammer and Grammar is like, just move your foot and see if it comes back. So I moved my foot and I felt fine. Like, honestly, no, no pain, nothing. But like, that's kind of just the adrenaline that kicks in, right? Like, you know, you don't feel it. It's like, next TV time, I'll go for a skate, see how it feels. Went for a little skate, like, felt good. Turned to my right, felt good. And as soon as I turned to my left, like, my inside edge, felt like somebody had, like, a basketball or, like, a beach ball pushing on the outside of my knee and just would buckle in. Like, I just couldn't stand on it, turn left or do anything. So I'm... Rammer pulled me from the game and they didn't tell me until after the MRIs, but uh, at the time the doctor kind of knew that my, my ACL wasn't, wasn't there anymore and that it was torn, but didn't really want to say anything just in case that was, uh, there was good news the next day at the MRI. So I had MRI next day, waited maybe an hour for the results, got a call from the doc and he's just like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. I was like, all right, what is it? And he goes, your season's done. You're going to need ACL surgery. Um, your MCL might be a little bit torn too. We're not too sure. So we'll figure it out. Um, but you're going to need surgery and you're done for the year. And it's like, holy fuck. Like yeah. three and a half periods of hockey, like felt pretty good. Like was flying around, was was ready to rock this year. And then you just kind of get kicked in the nuts like that. And yeah. now you, you got a whole, your whole mindset just kind of shifts into this poor me attitude, like, why is it always me? Why, what's it going happens. on? And, right. And yeah, you, you go through that for, for two weeks. And then, um, I was lucky enough. My mom, uh, came down for three weeks right after my knee, like the next day or two days later and kind of just helped me move. And 
um, go to the grocery store, home cooked meals. So that definitely helped a lot. But um, I'd be lying to you if there wasn't a lot of a lot of scary or dark times where it's just like this is just it's that's every year now. Like why is it like this? Why what's going on? And you have to find a way to to stay positive, to stay excited, especially coming to the rink and seeing the guys is has been huge for for me. Like if I didn't have that this year, there wouldn't there wouldn't be much left of of my love for the game and the way uh, I want to play. So um, being around the guys and how energetic they all are and um, being incorporated with, with team stuff definitely helps out a lot and keep your mind uh, away from, from the injury. Did you deal yeah. with any injuries before in, before you came to the NHL? Yeah, yeah. Uh, junior um, separated both shoulders, broken clavicle, but nothing like major, major where I needed surgery except for uh, World Juniors and uh, this year. I'd stay the fuck away from Chicago if I were you. Fuck Chicago. Yeah. Get yeah, that out of your life, bad Chicago. News. <laughs> right? Bad news. Bad news, uh, Bears. It, it, you know, it's funny. People don't – I don't think they really – because they're not – you have to be in the situation. Like you said, the poor me's. We've all yeah. – I, I know I've had them when I played. There's no question about it. But, but the emotional them. part of it, right, like – Another yeah. one, another one. You can't blame someone for going through that. But at some point, like you said, you got to get back. And you had to help your mom, which is awesome being there for you. Um, so the surgery, when we talk about the ACL, now there's different degrees, two, uh, one, two plus, three, totally torn. Where were you on that? Did it tear right through or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine was, oh, mine was gone. So yeah. did they, in the surgery, they, they explained to you what they were going to do, put a synthetic one in, or what did they do? Um, yeah, they took a piece of my patella and uh, just screwed it in. Like, that's the best I can kind of describe it without wow. all the big medical terms, because I don't even know those terms. They're, it's like they're speaking yeah. a different language to me. But Yeah, um, yeah so they kind of took a piece of that out and um, replaced my ACL with that, and then took two screws and bolted it into my leg. and. Um, it's honestly felt pretty good, like having had a lot of pain or like setbacks so far, which like knock on wood just kind of keeps going it's, uh, seven weeks today. So um, hopefully you can get on the ice, spend a January, middle of February, summers in that area and be able to keep moving forward with this thing. Did you have, was the MCL torn too? Um, I guess it ended up, well, we, we did rehab on it before I went for surgery because I waited two weeks to go before for the swelling and stuff to go down um so i guess once they got into surgery they didn't think they needed to fix it that it would just be fine good. on its own good well good luck with the um the bouncing back from that and the therapy because it's it's a long road and it's uh, awesome that you have good medical team there to, to you know get you back to health so hopefully everything heals and you get your ass out there again um and it's okay point. it's okay to be like what the fuck you know, oh, like yeah, if you yeah. didn't, if you didn't think, feel like that, that would be like weird almost. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Hey, Alarm like, bells you know? would be going off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So your mom come down and help out. Um, but those lonely times when you sit there with that, it, it's not an easy thing to no question. And like you said, being around the team helps. But did you, you get to a point too when you're on the team, like, fuck, I feel yeah like, yeah there's, I think you know you, uh, want, you feel like am i really part of this because yeah. i've dealt with that and it sucks yeah right there's, i think that's a pretty much the big reason why i, I left a couple of days ago and came home for 
um, an extended time was to just have a reset. Uh, it was getting to the point where, I mean, you're happy for the team. We're winning, we're playing good games, but like you said, there it feels like a party is missing something. There, there, there's a kind of like a hole in your life and you don't really know what to do. And um, like you said, you don't, you don't feel a part of it as much as you are a part of it and you're around the guys and you love the team and they love you and you're there every day. It's, it's a different feeling. Um, it's definitely something I've never felt before even gone through even with my wrist I knew my wrist was three or supposed to be four to five months and I was back playing in three like and but at the same time I was able to skate six weeks after my wrist surgery yeah like it was it was pretty quick and there was no second guessing it after I was on the ice it was like okay we're ready to go like peaking you can do all this you'll be fine so um with this it's obviously a little bit different more time a little more precaution but I think you, you kind of said the right thing there where you don't feel a part of the team sometimes. Yeah, when you uh, have like, <clears throat> when you have like no value, if you like, you're like, yeah, you, right. Like it's, it is a lonely place, but yeah, I get, get up to know. my press box, sit there. You're yeah. just like, Oh, there's another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, uh, it's definitely challenging at times. Do you find yourself watching the team and you're watching your teammates and you go, fuck, he should have passed the puck there. Oh, he should have shot that. Do you find yourself do that when you watch your teammates? Yeah, it's easy yeah, from up there, right? Isn't it easy? Say, yeah, a lot of space from up top. And then you get right? out there and you're like, where the fuck did all the yeah. space go? Yeah, you but get behind the uh, bench. You need to get behind yeah. the bench. <laughs> I know. Give me an earpiece. I'll be talking to Marty the whole game. <laughs> but, uh, no, um, yeah, you see things differently from up top. And I think – um when I can I kind of talk to guys about things I see or plays and it's definitely um let me assure respecting it's not like I'm going in there guns a blaze and telling guys what I think they should be doing out there but if if they want to talk to me about it then we can talk about it and I mean uh Slav and I've had pretty good communication all year just trying to help him through and things he was going through early on and uh, get him going and now he's flying and, and he's buzzing around out there so it's good to see so you talk about slapping. We had him on, and this kid's a fucking monster, obviously. But <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and I love his enthusiasm. Tim and I spoke with him and had him on, and like I said, and he um, when I think back, he's like sixteen years old. He was living on his own, playing in fucking Finland or wherever the fuck he was. But it's incredible how mature he is for his age. You know that. Oh, kid. Yeah. He, you know, and people forget. And that's another thing. Like being here in Montreal, the, the fucking spotlight is on you all the time. And you hear fucking people talking, oh, he came too soon. He should be here. Oh, is he going to yeah. break through? Is he? he the expectation is really, it's unfair in a lot of ways. But I think this kid, and people forget that, he's 19 years old and he's, it's, it's going to take him some time. Just because he was first overall, people think, oh, yeah. he should come in and fucking rip it up right away. I don't – I mean, most logical people don't think that, but there's so many yeah. here that yeah, exactly. don't think that way, you know? Exactly. I think that's like like you said, even like we forget Slap is 19 years old. Like he doesn't look like a normal 19-year-old. He's <laughs> a massive human being. Yeah. But uh, – He's a great kid, and and he loves the game, and he um he wants it. He wants to be good. He wants to prove to everybody here that he was the first overall pick, that he was that guy. And I think 
like he's gotten better with each game this year. I mean, you're not going to play great every game. It's a long season. You're you're young and you go through ups and downs. But um, for him, I think it's just trying to find a consistent game, doing the right things each night, whether it's you're not going to get points every night, but if you're hard on the forecheck, you're hard on pucks, you're protecting pucks, you're making those plays in the offensive zone, it, stuff will happen for you eventually. Like it's not just going to not happen. So um, I think he's, he's progressed this year, and I think it'll be another year or two until we really see a guy that is going to be scary to play against for many years. I mean, um, I see Slaff at 26 being one of the best players in the NHL with his size, his skill, his speed. He's only going to get better. I mean, um, you give that guy time to develop, and uh, when this thing's ready to take off and take it to the next level, he'll be definitely one of the leaders behind that, that ship. Yeah. Uh, listen, what a great young core plays. You got to be excited about being part of that moving ahead uh, once you get back out there because there is a good group of young players here. And I think that certainly the guys in place and in, in, in um, Hughes and, and Gordon that really they've done a hell of a job in kind of getting this ship turned around here. And it's got to be exciting to be part of that. But so. Two original six cities, uh, Chicago, Montreal. Um, your teammates in Montreal, when you look around the room, Cole Caulfield, this kid, like, yeah, like he's always smiling, always, you know, he, he's like, how much do the teammate, your teammates love this guy? Is he one of them guys in the room just everybody gravitates to? Oh, or yeah. they want to yeah. smack him in the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Cole's good shit. He's uh he's funny. He's high energy, he brings it um each day. I don't know how he brings it each day. There's there's days where you just you get to the rink in Montreal, it's so cold outside, you're freezing, you just wanna get your breakfast and sit in the training room and just kind of shoot it with the guys and he's buzzing around off the walls. You're just like, How in the fuck are you <laughs> got you this so much happy? energy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's freezing outside. <laughs> But that's uh, he's a uh, he's a great teammate and he's a he's a great friend and um, it's uh, it's definitely nice to have a guy like that on your team that kind of helps pick up the balance. I mean, um, like I said, in winter or days like that. But uh, he does a good job of dialing in too. Uh, when he he's super serious about the game, he he wants it. He wants to be a, goal, a great goal scorer. He wants to be a great player. He wants to do all these great things. And when it comes time to work, he goes out there and. He works his bag off each and every day. And I don't think maybe he doesn't get enough credit for that or the work he puts in um, at the rink that maybe people don't see or in the gym and stuff. Uh, the kid, he, he lives and breathes hockey. And it's uh, it's nice to kind of have a, a team that's focused on that and wanting to succeed and take everything to the next level. Would that would – that... Would that be the difference between Chicago and Montreal as far as the locker room? Like, you probably Chicago, you're looking up more to guys, and would you say you're more like, you know, friends yeah. with guys in Montreal? Younger, cool. Um, yeah, I think the the team I walked into in Chicago was older. There's a lot of married guys with kids, and um, it's just a different a different setting. They were kind of in, in a turnover where they just got rid of Joel Quinville and brought in Jeremy, and they didn't know what direction they were really going in. Um, they still had Kaner, who was putting up 80, 90 points, 100 points a year. He was buzzing around. DeBrincat was scoring 30, 40. Like they, and then you, they just kind of had a mix of, of shit going on. You didn't really know what was going to happen or where we were going. Uh, and then get to Montreal, it's uh, pretty clear the vision we have here and, and what they want to accomplish. And it's it's nice to be a part of a plan like that. 
How about this city, like in the fan base? Um, can you believe how how many people know you? Like, yeah, it's like everybody knows you. I'm yeah. sure Chicago people knew you too, but it's a little different when you're in the States compared to a Canadian city. People are nuts yeah. here, right? You can't go anywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, Chicago, there's six major sports teams. Like, you can yeah. you can get away with a little bit more now. They're Hawks <laughs> fans, right? Yeah, Like, they're not exactly. hockey fans. <laughs> like, no, they yeah, watch a can... Hawks game, they're not turning, like, the Blue Jackets game on after. Right? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. You, you can get away with a little bit more down there, but um, up here, it's been great. I mean, um, look at the scene. reaction. Yeah, look at the rea- reaction Andy just got. I mean, it's been a hard year for him. We all know it, but um, he's pushed through it all year. He's been great. And for him to play, uh, I mean, get four points last two games and the reception from the fans he got shows how much I think we all love playing here and the support we get from them and definitely makes a a big difference with them behind us. And it makes it a hard building for other teams to come in and play in when when they're up and rocking. And um, it's definitely, uh, we're definitely thankful for the support we get from the fans here. How's your French? Yeah. Zero French. (laughs) Zero French. Zero French. Don't they kind of, you know, don't they bring in tutors and stuff now for some guys? Or is it just Nick? Um, uh, They want the captain to speak a little bit, right? I don't know. I haven't haven't seen no tutors around. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so... It's probably uh, good yeah. to be like, I don't really want to know what the fuck they're saying. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'll just read the negative shit in English. I'm Tony Tree in French, too. So uh, the city itself, it's a beautiful city. Um, you got a girlfriend? No. No, I don't. Well, that's a good city yeah. to be in, not to have a girlfriend. I'm sure not I don't right have now. to tell not you Not right that. at this moment. Not, not at this yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, not at this moment. Um, yeah. So that's a good thing. How about restaurants? Favorite restaurants in the city? Um, yeah, I kind of bounce around, um, kind of wherever the wind blows. Blows me. Uh, we got a good group that likes to go to dinner. Usually it's uh, Cole and I are getting up to something, trying to find somewhere to go eat. But um uh, we go to Palma quite a bit, Fishbone, um, yeah. Grinder, Moretti a few times. But uh, um, there's a few What's hidden the gems. Sushi bar? What's the, the oh, sushi bar? What's the sushi bar? We like Ryu in uh, Griffintown. That's okay. that's kind of our spot. But um, there's a couple other hidden gems we go to that we'll keep to ourselves. We oh, like okay. to keep those a little more quiet, a little more private. That's a good thing. That's you haven't been thing. to Knuckles Bed and Breakfast yet? He, he, <laughs> no. he does some cooking. You haven't been there yet? No. All right. no, I've heard about it, though. No, <laughs> heard about it. Yeah, I had Big Arbor and uh, Jordan came over for dinner. Jordan played college where I played college at Northeastern. Oh, yeah, so. Northeastern. Yeah, we had them. Uh, they came for dinner. It was funny. Who's your off ice but... crew? Who's the guys on the team you hang out with? Uh, uh, yeah, like so, yeah. So like, um, where where I live, there's like a group of like eight of us to live around. Where are there, you? But, uh, we're in Griffintown. Griffintown, okay. Yeah. So I just make a quick two minute walk over to Dvorak and Caulfield's place and hang out with them for a little bit. It's uh, usually us three aren't aren't far from each other. Tim, Griffintown's kind of a regentrified neighborhood. You know, you kind of got run down over the years. And, um, the, you know, a lot of old, older, nice buildings there. And they kind of brought the neighborhood back, a lot of restaurants and bars and stuff. Pretty cool. Cool spot. How far are you from there, Nux? Um, yeah, about, you know, 20 miles, 25 miles. 
Not bad. Uh, I don't, I don't partake in that stuff. <laughs> we, we, the odd thing was all different when we, we we went to Crescent Street. You know, you, you know what Crescent is, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we, later no. on in the night. <laughs> <laughs> you Crescent soon. You will soon. Yeah. <laughs> Crescent Street. Yeah, it's more in the middle of town, but uh, that's where all the bars were before. You, you never, they never had them anywhere else. Restaurants and bars, but. Anyway, so um, you're liking the city. That's a good thing, no question. Great, great facility, right? Um, how about um, ownership? When we talk about Jeff Molson and and how good, but his dad owned the team when I was here, and they treated, you know, you guys. It's totally different today, but we back in that day, we were kind of ahead of the curve than a lot of teams. We started chartering before some other team and stuff like that. You know, yeah. certain trips we charter, but some we'd fly commercial. But Mr. Molson was an awesome owner for us, and I'm sure Jeff pretty much yeah. the same. I, I, do you interact? They, they kind of see Jeff around a bit? Um, yeah, just like every once in a while. You know, you kind of see him poking his head in and around the place and talk to him, and he's probably down-to-earth guy. He's great, great guy and um, definitely does a lot for us, but um, – I think the way he takes care of everybody else in the organization too, it's, it's huge. Um, I don't think there, there's anybody in this entire planet that could say one bad word about who he is or, or anything like that. So it's definitely uh, nice to have an owner like that, that cares about where the team's going and the progression of the team and wants us to succeed and, and definitely uh, helps us out along the way and um, takes care of his employees the way he does. He's a, he's a tremendous man and we're definitely lucky to have him as our owner. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your bro in um, Colton. Uh, you know, you were drafted third overall. He was drafted by Chicago also. But did, do, you, do you, does he feel any pressure, you think, from his older brother having, you know, made it to the NHL already? And, like, did you feel like there's a little pressure on him there? How does he, he view that, your bro? I don't think so. I mean, he he grew up with kind of like me being the older brother and um, kind of dealt with that at a younger age and, and stuff like yeah. that in junior and stuff. And I think he's at the point now where he's comfortable enough in the player who he is and the player he's going to be that doesn't matter what people kind of say to him anymore. And um, the other part of him is uh, he's got that switch to him where uh, you say the wrong thing, you might snap and kill you. So... He's, Where is uh, he? Is he in big, Rockford? Yeah, he's in Rockford. Is Anders a set Rock Vegas. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I know Anders. Anders. I like, he likes him? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. does. Anders, I had Anders for a few games, too, and I played in Rockford. So, uh, he was uh, – I really liked him. Colton likes him. He likes uh, – they're a young team down there. He knows that. They're struggling a little bit to, to win games, but he's having fun. There's a couple guys he played juniors with and won world juniors with, and down there so he's uh it's his, it's his first year pro he's excited for it and um he's definitely playing good hockey um and he's trying to just get the, the call up and then stay in chicago the rest of the year good stuff so you're home for christmas family uh when you get back to montreal um i don't think not until january yet i haven't really figured out a date just kind of taking it day by day and, and see how i feel and um make sure when i come back i'm feeling all right and, and ready to, to dive into things again. What's, what's the day of therapy for you? Like, what's it look like to, 
You know, when you're here and you're with the therapist, you're getting to a point where you're going to have to start really working that thing. What, what's the day consist of for you? Um, I've been working it for a while, to be honest with you. Maybe trying to push it a little bit. and um, But uh, it's a lot of hands-on work right now. Um, and then um, mobility stuff, strength stuff, do a lot of stuff in the pool, um, walking on the treadmill, biking already, um, weight shifts, um, a lot of hip work, trying to like make sure that my glutes firing, that I'm not overcompensating for stuff, my quads, hamstrings, making sure every muscle's working. So it's uh it's a long, it's actually a lot longer than I thought it would would be. Um, Three hour the, days, is it? Yeah, spending yeah. yeah, spending in the gym, working through things and making sure everything's moving the right way, and I'm not uh, using other body parts to to cheat out of strengthening. Do you know anyone that's had this injury? Yeah, so Dvorak went through this all last summer. So you summer. talked to him a little yeah. bit about it? Yeah, okay. I talked to him about it. And, um, there's a couple other guys, but no, I just kind of talked to Devo about it. But um, my, my knee feels good, honestly. Like if they were like, hey, you want to skate tomorrow? I'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I got good enough to skate. But I don't, I don't think they'd let me. But um, <laughs> it, uh, it hasn't been it's, – it's been good so far. It's just – it's long and it's tedious, all the, the little details you got to go through. And it just kind of mentally wears you down. More than anything. Well, mentally, stay tough, be strong, and and work your butt off. I want to see you get back in there for sure. You you could be a big part of this thing moving forward. I just, you know, um, I want to see you get back out there and have that success. And ask Tim. The last time we had a guy on Tim, right? A defenseman. Yeah, yeah he we, was a healthy scratch. His career took off. Didn't yeah, it? that's what we do. Like you're, that's you will be, do. you will be a big part. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> And you will look back. Perfect. You're 22, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'll look. I mean, you know, you'll look back, yeah, and all of this time. is all of this is going to be, you know, happen for you. I really do believe that. So it does. You know, yeah. I'm not in your shoes, and I'm not giving you the hero speech, but you know, <laughs> but I'm just saying that you know it sucks, but you're you're doing the right things, and you know, obviously we're rooting for you. Uh, it's I funny. Like I, I did not get hurt until like I was 28. My that's about my eighth year in the league, right? And then they fucking came one after yeah. another. It was like, it. and yeah, it was like, honest to God, I had that whole feeling. Like I felt bad for myself. Why is this happening to me? I broke my fucking arm twice. I tore my yeah. knee up. I had the hockey hernia. Every fucking thing, my knee. And it was like, you know, I was just so beat up at the end. Mm -hmm. Like. How's your diet? You know. Are you putting on some weight? You look like you got stung uh -huh. by a bee, you know? Like No, kidding. no, honestly, I, I've been I've been good. I think I lost <laughs> yeah. a few pounds. I've been I've been making sure cuz I, I went through it with yeah. my wrist surgery. I like three bottles of wine a night. You're just like, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah. the worst. You just walk in the oh, locker yeah. room. Everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? What happened to you? Yeah, yeah. Fat Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, no. I've, I've been good with this one. I haven't put on too much weight. Uh, well, listen. I want to wish you and your family very Merry Christmas. I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. And I know Tim, I can speak for him. We wish you nothing but uh, good things in the future with the Habs. So yeah. good stuff. And that player yeah. we had on, by the mm -hmm. way, who was he, Tim? Uh, 
Jacko uh, Koivu? Was it Jacko? Yeah, yeah, Barron, he, right? Justin Barron. Justin Barron. JB. Funny. Yeah. Come on. He was a healthy scratch. Would come yeah. on. And we, Tim was giving him the, the rah rah speech. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave one of my hero speeches. You know, my bullshit, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. yeah, work hard, which I never did. So it worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But so, uh, yeah. yeah. So happy holiday. Enjoy the yeah. family. And uh, we'll Perfect. see you when you get back in town. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe.